I think the biggest mistake most marketers are making is they are missing the opportunity to turn this into a win for themselves and their clients. I'm your host, Dave Knox, and this is Predicting the Turn, a show that helps business leaders meet their industry's inevitable disruption head on. Welcome to another episode of Predicting the Turn. Today, I'm joined by Sharon Torek, who is the principal of Torek Law. And today's episode is going to be a little bit of a different one, where we're actually going to look at the world of innovation through the legal lens and how can companies really address new legal challenges that come about from the world of innovation. So Sharon, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dave. I'm happy to be here with you. Great. Well, let's start with your background a little bit. How did you end up with a legal practice that focuses on the advertising and creative industries? <laughs> well, it's, it's, I think, an outpouring of uh, the intersection of a few of my interests. But my, my training and my uh, original background as a lawyer is in intellectual property law. So soft IP, protecting brands and copyrights, handling licensing. And as I um, founded my practice, I just started to get a lot of business, particularly on the brand protection side in the marketing world. Um, Agencies primarily coming to me to help coach them and their brand clients through the process of vetting brands and protecting brands. And then that led to other intellectual property questions and projects. And it just eventually evolved to a a more full-service suite of offerings focused on marketing law and IP law for marketers. Wonderful. Now, that's great. And you know, you've, you've seen a lot of change in that space because a decade ago, you know, most legal issues in advertising dealt with things like claims and other things where you know, the marketers wanted to figure, figure out where they were safe on that. But you know, today, the legal complexity has increased pretty much exponentially thanks to digital. How are you finding brands navigating the legal complexities of new tactics, whether it's social media or influencer marketing or whatever things popped up the, the past week? Right. Well, I think the biggest challenge is the um, the viral nature of marketing today versus even five years ago and um, how that has shrunken lead times that marketers have to really be proactive about thinking about their campaigns in advance and what the legal ramifications of them might be. And uh, we've also seen with the rise of social media focused marketing and influencer marketing and all the the Federal Trade Commission and other regulatory rules around those tactics, we've got to be paying attention to those tactics. Those create additional opportunities for intellectual property infringements and issues. And you know, while digital is no longer a specific discipline, in my opinion, for marketers, it's created more real estate for issues to arise. And so I would say that I would say speed and I would say uh, the evolution of influencer marketing, social, and also data privacy now, especially over the last year with GDPR and the California Consumer Privacy Act are, are areas of biggest change and pain points for marketers. So let's talk about that hot button of data privacy, because there's a lot tossed around and not every marketer actually really fully grasps what the implications are. What mistakes are you seeing marketers make when it comes to their approaches to data privacy and data practices as a whole? I think the biggest mistake most marketers are making is they are missing 
the opportunity to turn this into a win for themselves and their clients. The advent of GDPR and now um, state-by-state privacy rules in the United States It's creating, in my view, a great opportunity for brands to do massive re-engagement campaigns that can do two things. First of all, they can tick all the boxes that these data privacy regulations require for getting opt-in and consent from people on those email lists that you've been spending time and money cultivating over the years. And they give you an opportunity to reach out to your clients and your customers and your prospects to talk with them or tell them your story uh, in a new and a fresh way. So you've got a built-in opportunity to reach out to these folks in a way that's hopefully a little bit more creative than a lot of the email slams we were getting last year when GDPR first came down the pike. But be creative. Use that. So, so I think that's the biggest misperception is that they're not, they're not taking it as an opportunity. And then secondly, the second challenge is they do not truly know the state of their compliance because they haven't really taken time to dig into all the data that they have on hand when it comes to, um, you know, personal information of the folks who are either customers or on their email lists to really drill down and figure out how these people were opted in, if they were opted in to make sure that they're being compliant. Talent is a big part of predicting the turn. And as we talk about talent, I wanted to mention one of our sponsors, Hunt Club. Imagine the power of the best marketers in the world helping you to find your next marketing leader. That's the power of Hunt Club. Hunt Club is a new category of talent company that powers the network of experts, connectors, and business leaders to help you find the best talent. Let's face it, recruiting hasn't changed with the times. Hunt Club is changing the recruiting game by leveraging technology and crowdsource referrals to find you the best people possible for your company. Stop paying job boards that don't work or recruiting firms that recycle the same active candidates. Partner with Hunt Club. So when you have a new marketing tactic or trend that doesn't really have clear legal precedence, how do you approach the guidance that you give to your clients in that case? Well, I think... The truth is that the fundamentals around most issues that marketers are going to face day to day in their campaigns haven't really evolved much. The the, the basics of intellectual property protection for copyright protected work, the basics of brand protection for trademarks, and actually the basics of, of, you know, truth in advertising rules haven't adjusted that much. The, the issue is that we've gotten more real estate, as I've said earlier, for things to go wrong, particularly in the digital world. So usually when something new comes up, and I guess the best examples I can think of off the top of my head are uh, situations that occur in influencer marketing campaigns. Usually when issues arise, they are simply a new iteration of an advertising or marketing law principle that's always been there, but it applies in a new and a fresh way. For example, in influencer marketing, most of the time we're focused on, are we meeting the FTC's requirements for the right hashtags and the right disclosures? Where really what we need to be looking at in addition to that, or just as much as that is is what the influencer saying about the product that they're Instagramming about 
accurate? Is it really, can we verify it? Are they saying something that's true? And are they saying something that the brand actually could back up if they were challenged to do so? And those are, those are advertising principles and rules that have been in place forever. It's just applying them to a new medium and a new tactic. So I guess there's not as much new under the sun as um, I think if you look at it, if you take a look at it from uh, a macro perspective, I guess the the other thing I would say about that is um, the data privacy uh, landscape change is something that we're truly dealing with day to day because we've never been in control of such massive amounts of information as marketers as we are now, and so that those are the areas where we're you know trying to cut our way through the bushes as quickly and carefully as possible, and uh, you know causing as little damage or cost as we can. So the seat that you sit in gives you a really interesting view of how the advertising world is changing right now. And one of the constants in advertising has been the major holding companies. And those guys are under a lot of pressure at the moment for you know, a host of different reasons. What do you think the biggest threats are for the advertising world and agencies in particular? And what's the future hold for it? Well, it's it's interesting that you're asking me this now. I'm just back from a conference that is focused actually on small and independent uh, advertising agencies. And I mentioned that because I truly believe it's never been a better time for agencies uh, to be small and independent. I think that the agencies that are in the, the holding company um, structures they work on exciting, sexy campaigns. They have huge budgets to manage. Um, and that is all very exciting. And it's part of the traditional magic we think of and I'm associated with the industry. But they have never been more pressured in terms of their margins, which influences the way they do business in every single way. It influences talent recruitment and the cost of talent uh, recruitment and acquisition. It influences the way you buy media and how you disclose your media deals to uh, the brand, which as you probably know is a huge issue in the industry and has been for years. It's just, it is a, just a very challenging time to return value to shareholders, meaning the holding companies, and also get the brand's business interests properly advanced all at the same time. It's a, it's a huge balancing act, balancing act. And so I think if you're independent, particularly if you're an independent and small agency that has a, uh, that owns a niche, whether that's a vertical or a horizontal niche, you are way better and, and way better control of your profitability and of your ability um, in the long haul to do really to solve specific business problems for specific types of brands, which I think is a beautiful place to be as an agency based on what I've seen in our client base and in the industry altogether. So in this uh, challenging time, as you kind of describe it, what makes that successful Mm -hmm. relationship between a marketing agency and a brand? My view of it is that the most successful relationships between agency and brand are when the agency has the opportunity to take a beat at the beginning of the work to really truly understand the brand's business objectives. See, the average tenure of a CMO at a brand is shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. And part of that is because they're trying a lot of things and either they're trying things that are difficult to measure or it's a lot of tactics without enough time 
devoted up up front to strategy for lots of different reasons. So I think what sets a successful relationship apart from one that is going to be uh, more short lived is is the agent and the brand achieve its objective, either its financial objectives or its its brand positioning objectives. However, those are you know how are they what are they and how are you going to measure them. I think when you take a minute at the beginning of the work to think about that and agree on what those are going to be and how you're going to measure them, that is a great prescription for a successful agency brand relationship. So speaking of uh, the work that agencies deliver, you know, in today's innovation economy, a lot of times brands are starting to turn to startups and venture capitalists for new ideas. How do you think marketing agencies can return to the role of being the strategic partners that brands turn to for that world of innovative ideas and marketing approaches? It's challenging to create the real estate in a a small independent agency to focus on innovation. And I I have to fully acknowledge that because our firm's clients are, are right in that space. But if you can create some space to focus on innovation as an agency, whether it is capitalizing on your own intellectual property and turning that into a revenue source or partnering with a client, whether that's an entrepreneurial company that's just starting up or whether it is a legacy brand that uh, wants to devote some resources to something innovative. If you can carve some space out there, there are tremendous opportunities for the kinds of creative thinkers that agencies love to employ and who you know, who populate a lot of agencies to either independently or in, in a partnership with a brand client to create some really cool solutions. And you'll see it in the form of taking something that emerged from a campaign and creating a new product line out of that. Or you might see it in a design-focused agency that is really truly a consultant to the brand and in terms of how to design the actual product that consumers are going to buy. Uh, It can take a lot of forms, but that breathing space, I think, is what's important. So uh, focusing on how you can create that laboratory or that that breathing room in the agency to to be creative and innovative, as I think it's a luxury, but I think it also is the kind of luxury that's also a smart investment. Wonderful. That's brilliant. Well, Sharon, it's been a real pleasure uh, sitting down and talking with you. I love the lens that you look at the, the world of this innovation economy. So thank you for taking the time to join us. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to talk with you, Dave. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you like the show, hit that rating and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And for more resources, head over to predictingtheturn.com.